When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tar Pit for week one of the Amazing Race 33. The pits are back open and we are ready to dive in. I am Mike Bloom here with our bonus Amazing Race coverage. We started this back in season 32 and it has survived through to season 33. This is everything extra we have to talk about with the Amazing Race. Uh, Some feedback from you all, some social media, some secret scenes, and basically everything else we can wrap our brains around about the amazing race that couldn't just fit in one podcast proper. We have a great gang of blokes and chaps and all the other British slang terms you want to use here, uh, even though there are no other blokes or chaps on here besides myself, uh, to talk about the first two episodes of The Amazing Race 33. As mentioned before on our recap proper, Rob Cesarino is in absentia, but of course I... Could not be here if I was not joined by the the corner angle of our TAR triangular coverage, Jessica Lees. Jess, how are you? Hey, Mike. Um, I've, I'm glad we're bringing back the tar pit because I would feel really bad if we were selling T-shirts of a show that we never intended to do again. Yeah, that's also very true. Uh, it would be almost like one of those nostalgia things, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Rolling Stones tour 97. Like, it's it obviously maybe uh, if it was of a different band that wasn't still touring, it would be more applicable. But this idea of oh, this relic that is long gone by, now you can wear it at any, you know, family events that you want to, to show off you were there back then. Yeah, it's a real collector's item. But now we're we're running a series two. So make sure you get the original because that's the one that's going to retain its value. Exactly. And then maybe we'll have some people come and be like, I like the tar pits better back during season 32 when they were playing Gary and D'Angelo clips. That's the good <laughs> stuff. Play the hits, people, not your new stuff. But no matter what the tune, I'm so happy to have this person on a talking The Amazing Race because I think it's safe to say she is a recent convert to the show, as maybe many people out there. And so I don't know if she'll represent you necessarily, but she certainly brings a new opinion to this. But she's far from a new voice in our RHAP community. Of course, you know her from her work most recently on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City coverage with Jacob Jones over on Reality TV or Half Ups. But She's talked Big Brother before. She's talked Survivor before. And now it's time for her to finally engage with the final jewel in the crown of CBS reality TV. Uh, and t- pro- makes sense talking about the queen proper or a lookalike. So happy to be talking with Maggie Morgan. Maggie, how are you? 
Hi, guys. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so excited to talk to you. I started watching The Amazing Race um, after Big Brother 23 ended, and there was nothing on television for me to watch three times a week anymore because Survivor's only on once a week. Um, And so I started my binge, and there's, like, nobody in my life who listens. So I've been, like, furiously texting my thoughts to Mike Bloom, and I'm so excited that I finally get to say it out loud and, like, talk about how I've been feeling watching this show i've made it through i think like seven seasons in the past three months so i've been doing pretty good but they just took it all off amazon prime so i gotta figure out how i'm gonna watch it now i guess hulu has half of them but yeah that's uh what i'm what i'm currently going through with my amazing race journey I find this really relatable content because I didn't have very many people in my life either who I could talk mm-hmm. about the show with. So I had to just like get a job podcasting about it in order to get. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's the most communicative way to talk about a show is into a microphone at people in front of a screen, but hopefully people behind the screen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, listen, we have been beating the drum for, for years at this point about how The Amazing Race is definitely, I think, the redheaded stepchild of CBS reality compared to Survivor and Big Brother. And look at no further than what Maggie is talking about with its availability, right? Like it just got removed from Prime, I think, beginning of January. But go to Paramount Plus, right? This flagship streaming service for all things CBS. Back catalog of Survivor, back catalog of Big Brother, season 33 of The Amazing Race. Why? I like simply cannot believe that, that there is nothing. There's not even season 32 anymore. Like... I watched season 32 live and that's what I really liked it. And that's what made me intrigued when Big Brother season was over. I was like, oh, I need something else to watch. Like, why don't I go back and get into The Amazing Race? So, of course, the first place I go is Paramount Plus and it's only season 32. I was like, this does not make any sense. It has the entirety of the challenge on here. And that's just like Viacom. Like, I don't under I'm so confused as to why that is. I'm sure there's like somebody could get into like the intellectual property law of it, but I bet the reason is actually very boring. So we just have to be sad about it and never really have it fully explained to us, which I feel like that's a lot of things in life now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's really like it's the one of the unseen tasks that we have on legs, right? The Mm -hmm. thing of like, well, it didn't really matter at the end of the day and it was fairly road and nothing really exciting happened. So don't worry about it. That is sort of the way I think we're regarding the legalese as to what it is. But uh, Maggie, so talk to me about what seasons you were able to watch before you had, you know, that stuff revoked from you. What's you know, what were some of your favorite scenes that you watched so far? What was it about The Amazing Race that you just found? hooked you from that moment you decided to binge it over the past, you know, four or five months or so? Okay, so I think that the thing about The Amazing Race that is, like, so interesting that nobody really, like, I did not expect when I watched, I, like, learned so much about myself while I was watching it because of what would make me angry and, like, what would make me, you know, what? like, I would watch it and be like, how dare this guy be talking to his girlfriend like this on this like I seriously oh yes season six Mm -hmm. I did watch season six but also like I okay so I watched Colin and Christie's first season I watched Robin Amber's first season and then I watched 14 15 16 and I do think I watched 13 
Teen, whoever is all of the, whatever teams all of the returning season, you know, the second yeah, you, season, you, whatever yeah, all you, of those seasons are. Ma- Maggie was in the middle of watching Unfinished Business before okay. uh, the cord got cut. Sure. So she had been watching, I think, all of the post All-Stars. So 12, she's seen 12 through 17, uh, plus yes. I think like 5, 6, okay. 7 alongside that. Mike, I feel like we yeah. could call this event where everything suddenly became unavailable. Could we call that the burn? <laughs> Listen, we've got a blip. We've got a burn. Let's talk about other cataclysmic events of when things just disappear. Uh, so yeah, Maggie has been in the middle of watching a lot of, uh, I would say like middle ages, amazing race mm-hmm. as of late, which I would imagine. I mean, we'll talk I, about it, whether it's like night or day compared to what we just watched. Okay. Also like, so when I started getting into it, I was like, Oh, like fun. The thing is that I I feel like there's just like general rules for the amazing race. And the number one rule is if you do not have respect for your partner, it's going to be a complete shit show. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear, but like that's the only that's the only term I can use to describe it. Like because it's not about love. It's not about care. It's not about, you know, like my child. It's about how much you respect them. A la Ron and Christina. You know, like it's it's his child, but he he respected her as negative 20 percent. Therefore, he's like screaming bloody murder at her on the race. Like I, I swear and I'm not kidding. If I was spoken to in some of the ways that these women in particular are spoken to by their male partners, I would be like, okay, you're going to humiliate me on national television. So I'm going to humiliate you back. And I'm going to say, you can come back to me when you have changed your attitude and I get an apology (laughs) and I'm going to sit right here on the ground until you change the way you're talking to me on national television. And I'm not kidding. Like I, I said this to my roommate and I was like, you know, I would actually do that. He's like, yes, you're scary. You would actually do that. Like I can't, it does not matter how intense it is. There is never any excuse, I truly believe, for some of the way that these people behave, especially with their romantic partners. And I think Mm -hmm. I am like so deeply upset by it because, number one, why would you pick your partner if you know they can't run? As someone who can't run. Oh, why, why I would never go on a show like this with an athletic boyfriend who's like a marathon runner who's like let's do the amazing race because I would be like I can't run like I'm not a good runner you're gonna get upset with me and number two like especially with romantic partners who then like the leg before they had just been screaming at each other and being so disrespectful. And then they propose. And then I find out later that they're married with children, like children, I feel like is perhaps the most stressful thing a couple could go through. So like, I would imagine you're both parents. I would imagine significantly more stressful than the amazing race. And if this is the way that you're speaking to each other, when you're on the amazing race, like I just think that there's so much, like it's such a microcosm of like relationships and life. And it's, fascinating to me and i thought when i watched survivor that it was the worst that i could possibly behave on a reality show i was like if i was on survivor i would be a monster i would be horrible no one would want to be around me i do think i found a show that i would probably behave worse on and it is the amazing race like tired 
can't run, exhausted. I get horrible motion sickness. So being in the back reading a map, like I would be useless. They would be like, please tell me how to turn. And I would be like literally throwing up out the window, be like, I can't look at the map anymore. Like there's just no reason that anybody should ever want me as a partner. But again, nobody, I would not allow somebody to pick me as a partner because if I went on, I would be like, you can never yell at me. Like, that's the only rule. Like, you cannot yell at me. Do not raise your voice at me. And I feel very, very struggly about this. I feel like I just talked for five minutes about all of my amazing race thoughts. I love Please it. Weigh no, in. I love no, it. No, it's I, great. I, I mean, I never thought that the amazing race would be a way to allow to, you to hold a globalized mirror up to yourself. But I think you vocalized perfectly how that would be the case because it allows yourself to put yourself in their shoes in a myriad mm-hmm. of ways. Uh, one of them being like, how would you interact with somebody? Uh, when you're not only within their proximity 24 hours a day, but also relying on them in a literal million dollar game. And unlike Survivor or Big Brother, the intention is that it's not a perfect stranger who's going to stab you in the back. This is someone that you mm-hmm. hopefully trust a little bit who you have to rely on to do. For example, half the roadblocks uh, have to go to this mm-hmm. person. It's an interesting trust exercise that as you talk about time and time again, as good TV as it might make, uh, can also unfortunately make for some uh, dynamics that do not necessarily translate well to future like, life situations. Like very like concerning. I mean, I, look, you see, you know, a snapshot of somebody on television and you're like, who knows? Because, you know, I looked up one of the winners um, of one of the seasons that I watched to. I, I don't think I want to n- name their name. Just, you know, but mm-hmm. like I they were they were winners and they were very calm with each other the whole race. And they were I know you're talking about like, mm-hmm. like their superpower was their calmness. And then I was like, oh, like they're clearly still married and have, you know, a beautiful life together and they are no longer together. So like it's clearly not a micro and like some of these couples that I was like, this is the biggest disaster I've ever seen are still married. So like, you know, th- there is no right or wrong. But I do know one thing and it's how i will and will not be spoken to on national television (laughs) and uh the amazing race is really really like i mean in the premiere there was one couple that i was like careful now careful uh you know careful Mm -hmm. but also i didn't think that it was crossing the line quite yet but like i remember there was the season season 14 um, which is so fun. Season 14, I think, was maybe my favorite season that I watched. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple at the very beginning who are from like Kentucky. And but I, I can't remember their names, but the guy and his, it's like this guy and his wife, and they've like never left Kentucky. And he spends the full first leg screaming at her bloody murder and she's like sobbing by the end of it but then the second like they turn it around he's crying in the confessional about how he spoke to her and she's like I won't hold it against you and then he's very respectful to her so like I think that there is like so like obviously the reason that I watch these shows is because of the dynamics between the people and I think that the amazing race is fantastic because it's not a bunch of strangers thrown together it's these Mm -hmm. people with like very long-standing relationships even when they say newly dating usually they mean like a year so um there's like these long-standing relationships that you're seeing them navigate and actually like sort of like have relationship therapy through and it's very interesting Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I have a question for Mike, then Mm. based on all this, because this is something we don't talk a lot about. I feel like you and Rob and I never get into this. So this is fascinating. and I love this conversation we're having. But I feel like just because of the tonal shift we've had on reality TV as a whole 
from the time those early seasons were airing. I feel like we get a lot less of this now. I feel like 10 years later, we're not seeing people's relationships implode on TV because we've kind of moved past that as a, you know, as a genre. So I wonder, Maggie, Mm. I would love to hear from you later in the season as you are watching the newer seasons. How do you you think you're seeing a lot less of that? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, there are certainly times where that comes out. Season 23 is one of the first examples I can think of of like a quote unquote modern day amazing race season Mm -hmm. that focuses on that conflict. But that is nearly 10 seasons ago to that point. And there are certainly times where we have seen tension but i agree it feels like reality tv has sort of moved on as a whole and maybe society as a whole from a a certain circumstance from like this idea of not trash tv but like specifically creating content around that jerry springerization of it all right mm -hmm. well i i have no problem with never seeing a jock boyfriend scream at his girlfriend who's trying her best ever again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never want to see that literally ever again on TV. Like I am interested in the idea of like siblings who are trying yeah. to figure out, because like, I actually think, you know, I said like the number one most important thing is that you have to have respect for your partner. So I think siblings are the most interesting partners because you can love your sibling and think your sibling's a moron you know? And like, mm-hmm. I think that there's a ton of tension. Like it's, it can be wrought with tension. Like we saw that last night or this week with the twins, like they like, were definitely fighting and yeah, we didn't get like the big dramatic music or like the extended watch of them, like fighting, fighting the way that you do. I think sometimes on the old seasons, but like the sibling dynamic is always way more interesting to me than the dating dynamic because the dating dynamic, I'm just like gross awful. I can't watch All right, it. Well, it's Maggie, uh, you may you want know? to skip season 26 in your binging. Mm, because yeah. That is uh, okay. literally the entire onus of the season is dating couples. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I will skip that one. I would say season 26, maybe a bit of season 29 is the last time we really had someone where I was like, the way that this person is treating their partner and the way this person is speaking to their partner is not at all helpful to the conversation. I think mm-hmm. I think 26 was honestly the last time we've seen that in a big way. Yeah, but it's a great point, Jess, as to I don't know if that is, you know, the culture shift prompting a casting shift as well. Right. You know, is mm-hmm. it just this idea? Because I know that also 29 was, I think, maybe the ushering in of Jesse Tannenbaum, who has been casting the show mm-hmm. ever since. And obviously, so good. Big brother and Survivor. So as well. good. Yeah, so we maybe stand Jesse Tannenbaum in this apartment. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I'm, I'm a Jesse Tannenbaum myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a perfect thing. If it hasn't become a thing, it's an official thing now. Make that a t-shirt, mm-hmm. people. Uh, but I do think it's interesting. Maybe it is this idea of the the consciousness less so being about casting, like you said, for that very specific dynamic that has been around since the very beginning. I mean, even back in season one, uh, you know, like Eleni and Karen were dating at the time. And like that was the show's first Oof. season, a trope that it was well-worn. Uh, by the time it, it ended up fading out that maybe it's just that uh, they don't necessarily are, they're not going for that anymore. And yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it as well. It certainly can provide some entertainment, but it is a fine line between that and Jonathan and Victoria. And when it mm-hmm. becomes Jonathan and Victoria, it gets incredibly uncomfortable. So I personally am fine with, with staying away from that. Well, also to Maggie's point, still being able to breed some conflict. I mean, look at this past week's episode where, like you said, Lulu and Lala have their sort of odd Mishigash around the the ex boyfriend, Carolyn Ray get into it a little bit. Uh, Akbar and, and the, Sherry obviously obviously have okay. Their own they're the one. On. They're the one that I was like, careful now, careful now, Akbar, careful. 
be, be careful card, because are, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I will beat this drum until the end of time. And I know it's probably a situation where they're like, we want you, this is who has to be your partner. But like, then if that's who has to be your partner, that's who your partner is. Don't be trying to, you know, make them be like, why aren't you a marathon runner? Because that's who I am and I'm your partner. Like, I think mm-hmm. that, that is the key actually to success. Like we like notice how in this week's episode, the flight attendants, like she messed up the cake and immediately the other person was like, oh, it's totally fine. Like no stress. Let it go. We're going to get back to it, you know? And I think that's because they don't have years and years of deep, deep history. And they are friends. And when you are with somebody who you respect and don't feel like you can get away with, you know, kind of taking stuff out on them, you don't take stuff out on them. And I think that that's really um, like so interesting. And I, I see it a lot with like parents and children too on, on the seasons. Like Actually, the kid will get more mad at the parent than the parent will with their child, except for, you know, the iconic Mm. Ron and Christina. Um, My favorite team, uh, the team from Michigan, the father daughter, like he left, he had to go to the bathroom and then he left the fanny pack in the bathroom and she was like yelling at him for it. And he was like, stop, give me a break, you know, Um, because that's that shift where she feels safe, where she can be dad. What the hell are you doing? And he's like, enough. Versus if you're friends and you don't know how the other person would react to you yelling at them, you're less likely to do. Mm -hmm. So all that being said, uh, Maggie, you watched the premiere. You just mentioned several teams, uh, which both you regarded and maybe did not regard so much in terms of their moments. But what were your overall takes about it? You have been binging a bunch of Amazing Race. And now this is like a taste of the modern day. What what was the, the, the taste that you ended up developing? I liked this premiere i think that they stayed they the fact that they stayed in london the whole time was like i thought it was weird i actually don't like it when they um don't or when they eliminate rather see everybody make it through the first leg and then get eliminated on the second leg and i know they can't do that for like purposes of everybody not taking the first leg seriously then if they know nobody's going to get eliminated but um like i would have swapped the elimination or like it, it was just odd that they eliminated someone at the end of the first hour and then not the end of the second hour. But that these teams were all so dynamic and really fun and exciting, and I think that we're going to be in for a good season. I think that the casting's really good. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, well, let's get into some of your feedback uh, that you sent in, and we can sort of distill some of our talk about the first episodes through that as well. Uh, and let's start with Natalie, because I'm not going to play the the Amazing Race 101 jingle, Jess, but I want to talk <laughs> about packing for a second. Uh, Natalie asked us, maybe last season just traveled really light, but did it feel like these people have a lot bigger bags than normal to you? It seems like one of Dusty slash Ryan brought them sort of foam roller slash yoga mat with them, uh, we got a lot of questions about Ryan's yoga mat, uh, which we will see if it ends up surviving to the end of days. But Jess, talk to me about this uh, this packing situation. Do you agree that there is sort of like an abnormal amount of packing compared to previous seasons? And is there sort of like a commonality amongst Amazing Race fans of how many bags slash what do you pack? I mean, honestly, all I could see was the foam roller. So I didn't look at anybody <laughs> else's things they had. But I can understand, like, especially if you have an old sports injury, I can see why you'd want it. I don't understand why you've tucked it under your arm while you're racing. I think you need to have a way to lash that onto your backpack, like get some bungee cords or something. Jeez, man. Um, which I think he found a place to put it later. But yeah, I think there is a certain, there's a certain number of things that you should and should not bring with you. And I think a lot of that is predicated on like how much, how much do you put into your, everyday routine because you know you're going to be on television you know that you need to feel comfortable in your own skin but i would definitely want to take as little stuff as possible like bring three or four changes of clothes if that and bring like the bare minimum of grooming supplies there are people that bring like a flat iron and a giant case of makeup and all this stuff a hair dryer assume that they're going to put you in a hotel most nights. You can figure out a way around it if they don't. Um, keep the keep the grooming supplies to a minimum. And then there's a third category of stuff that you bring, which is stuff that is kind of outside of the box. There's people that bring like power bars, for instance. And that can come in handy, but it's safe to assume that you're going to run out at some point and it's going to weigh you down. So I can't think of any like one particular thing oh there's one particular thing that i think i've seen come in handy a couple of times that i think is useful to bring and that is a calculator because i've Mm. seen people get into a math task a few times and not have a calculator and you can use that like you can use it on metric conversions you can use it in a lot of ways that are i think a little bit i think it just takes like one thing off your plate Headlamp, calculator, those are the weird things that you might consider bringing. Are you team one bag or two bags? I'm team two bags. Um, We've only ever seen this team one bag thing come into play, I think, on Amazing Race Canada that one time, Mike. We had the team Mm. that had two bags and they consolidated to one bag and gave the other bag away to a stranger. Um, And I think... I think you really want your own stuff. You want your own space, especially when you're going to be treated as a single unit with another person. I think psychologically have your own stuff. 
Maggie, is that another checklist for you of my amazing race partner, someone I could feasibly share a bag with if need be? Sure. Um, I think that the bag thing is something that like is so hard to wrap your mind around if you've not done it. Like it's something that really doesn't think because like I never think about that. I but there's been tasks that I've watched where people have just like, you know, basically worn themselves ragged on the um intense, you know, physical task that they had to do for the race partner to please carry their bag for them while they do the next little bit and I'm like oh my gosh that's so something that I I would have a hard time thinking about and I remember watching when Jess and Cody were on the race she did like a what was in our bag type situation Mm -hmm. and she said that they brought like a huge package of underwear so that they could just throw away their underwear and by the end like it, it would like dwindle down their supply and so there would be like less in their bag by the end of the race which I thought was super interesting like a very interesting strategy um she was like we just got these like really lightweight pairs of underwear from Amazon and we would put them in bags and then when we were done we would we would like throw them out at at the end of the night and I was like "Mm, maybe that's like a way of you to you know like keep your bags lighter by the end of the race when it's more in important that you can outrun people but um yeah i, I oh, yeah. am with if you. only we didn't have those two extra pairs of underwear we could have won a million you know, dollars i don't um but jess i totally agree with you about the um like grooming products but i do think that the, there would be like a big you know concern in my head that like I will be on national television and like this will be if you ever Google my name for the rest of my life, like these are the photos of me that you will see. So I do think I would bring like a mascara wand, you know, like a single mascara wand and some mm-hmm. concealer uh, and some sunscreen for sure. But like that would be probably it because by the end of these legs, I mean, the way that some of these people roll up to fill is hilarious. And, you know, what can you do? No flat iron is going to fix that, you know, the, after you've thrown yourself into a pit of mud and then you have to go to fail and be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> Definitely. that's when you use the disposable underwear to like wipe your hair down of all the mud uh, exactly. and you'd be able to throw it away. Maybe that's the use for it. I, I've never heard of that before. I guess I didn't, I forgot to check out that video. Cause I did not think about the idea of this. I know that just the laundry situation can be sort of sketchy, right? So maybe yeah. that was also one of the uses for it. Yeah, everybody is doing their laundry in hotel sinks, basically. Like, they don't take your clothes away and bring them back folded or anything like mm-hmm. that. So, that's also, I mean, there's a lot of websites like Travelsmith and whatnot um, where you can buy stuff that you can wash in a hotel sink that will dry overnight. Uh, I always think it's funny when people show up on The Amazing Race wearing jeans because, like, I immediately, I pick out those people. I mean, those people are out first. You're I'm watching the Cowboys. On the Amazing Race. Yeah. I mean, I'm the in the middle of watching the Cowboys with their hats and their buckles and their jeans. Yes. <laughs> and they do. Like, I don't. I don't want to spoil it for you, but yeah. Well, well the, and they wear the the um, lunch lady things on the, on their hats on their cowboy hats. So they don't. Tactical <laughs> yeah. can you be? But, you know, to each their own. They're iconic. We're talking about them now. Yeah, they're committed to the bit for sure. Uh, I think very. If you are, if your whole, like the reason you were cast is predicated on a particular thing that you're wearing, that's going to be a problem. I, I understand <laughs> that, you know, you're, you're going to be the whatevers and you want to represent that. But it's also, I think if I were going in the Maisie race, I would cling as hard as I could to 
activewear that is breathable and dries easily. Like yes. that's what you want. You want one of those little down jackets, which I saw like Sam and Connie had these, the ones that pack into a little pillow that's about the size of a football. That's um that's an important thing that you're gonna want to have. And if your identity as the team is not gonna allow for that, I think you're gonna have a problem. Yeah. So, so let this be a warning. Leather daddies out there, do not go on to the amazing race. You're gonna Leather daddies there. need not apply. Exactly. Because otherwise, like it's once it gets wet, you're gonna have a big problem. The chafing, Mike. The chafing. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be or at bad. least find a <laughs> find a you know vegan substitute that will hold up better under under rain. I I, mm-hmm. I think I'm not gonna dissuade the leather daddy community from applying, but <laughs> just know that you need to be prepared if you do get cast. Well. As Maggie mentioned, and as Jess and I sort of uh, affirmed on our recap with Rob, uh, the tests were, were, I would not say, the the brightest thing in the episode. I know we had a couple of comments on this. I know Sam wrote in, thought that maybe the weather uh, had sort of forced them to switch gears at the last minute, specifically the, the, the second leg where, like, everything seemed indoors. I know we'll certainly get into this. Kim and Penn have a podcast, uh, KPHAP. Uh, where they are doing amazing race stuff every week. And they said there was actually an unseen task that had to change because of the weather. So we'll certainly get into that. And maybe that was the case. But with regards to the mail rail, uh, I want to take a question here from Jared, who says, is it possible that originally in the mail rail task, the clue was inside one of the packages, but then someone thought, you know, it's probably not a great idea to have it look like the teams are opening undelivered mail, so they threw it in the bottom of the bin instead. What do you think, Jess? Do you think they, they did a last-minute pivot when they realized that, yeah, maybe having a bunch of Americans go through British people's mail is not a great image? Well, you know, Mike, I I don't know if this plays into it or not, but we talked about it a little bit in the recap podcast where 15 years ago, which, yeah, that was 15 years ago, um, I am shocked as well on um, Amazing Race 11. There was a task that was exactly like this one, but like 25 times harder. And you mm-hmm. did have to pick through a big pile of mail and open letters and what have you. And they didn't seem to have a problem with it then. So I think everybody just has to assume that this is prop mail at a certain mm-hmm. point. I don't think it necessarily I don't think it necessarily is a I, I don't think it's an issue that we're seeing people open mail like that. But also the task didn't ask you to open it. So yeah. the task just asked you to find it and then you can open it later. In fact, they don't want you to open it. Like there's very specific rules when it comes to Amazing Race clues about where you open it, how you open it, what you do with it. And I have to imagine that the specific instructions on the task were like, don't open it. Not that that stopped anybody, but right. You know, you're not supposed to open it. So. I think I don't think they're worried about the optics of that is my short answer to that. You don't think that they're necessarily thinking about like, uh, well, people look at the illegality of these tasks and think, uh, oh, man, what are these Americans doing? Yeah, I think there are far worse things people have done on the amazing race that have upset people in a totally different way where they're like questioning the legality or the appropriateness of it. And I think this falls very low on that chart. Uh, I do find it interesting that, like you said, you know, I, I do wonder if they if the teams had come back to this task or done this task at the end of the season versus the beginning of the season. I wonder if things would have been different, because like you said, I think there was still a lot of like early season jitters happening mm-hmm. 
right? Where like Anthony, like you said, like starts ripping open packages like it's Christmas morning and everyone else started doing it as well. Whereas I do wonder if it's later in the season and people realize, okay, these are what tasks are. Uh, maybe it won't necessarily, you know, be uh, something that they would normally do. Maggie, give me your thoughts on this mail rail task. Uh, does this, does this, how does this stack for you in terms of the lame quotient of the tasks that we experienced over the premiere? Well, I think it would have been like way lamer if they hadn't screwed it up so bad. Um, and then it gave it like intrigue and was like very fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. I don't know. Like it seemed like they were just like lifted it up and it was immediately there. Um, and I wanted them to like do more digging or, you know, maybe they should have just made a gigantic pile, you know, and like, so it, there were, you know, eight clues or however many, 10 clues dispersed throughout the gigantic pile, um, versus like individual, you know, bins that all you had to do, do is go through that one bin and you knew it was going to be in there eventually. And there's like a limited number of pieces of mail in there. So you're going to find it, you know, rather quickly versus if it's a huge pile, you could be going searching through the exact same mail that somebody else already searched through. And you know what I mean? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the episode because we have a question from John in DC who basically asked, how did they do the sort of at home start to the amazing race 33? Because the interesting thing is, obviously, there is preseason promos that are done, right? Everyone got their photos taken. They look beautiful in those preseason photos. There's also the intro packages that we saw throughout this episode that are done seemingly from the same location, probably where the pictures are done. So just feel free to to stop and correct me if I'm wrong here. But I'm fairly sure the process is like once the 11 teams were confirmed, they flew to L.A. to do like all their marketing stuff. Then they got flown back home and said, like, I don't know, a few days from now or so and so is when the race will begin. Uh, you know, be prepared for this message from Phil on your amazing race branded phone or something. Honestly, no, I don't think that's what happened. Oh, okay, um, great. Yeah, I disagree. Um, and I feel free, listeners, to correct me on this. But what I think probably happened is I think they did all the establishing shots in their homes and then they staged the now the amazing race starts everybody then flies to la and then everybody flies to london together that's what oh, i think oh that's interesting yeah i guess a little bit pulling back the curtain right so it's a false start almost in that regard yeah, of like all like right now it's time to go yeah they're definitely pretending there yeah because i think that would make sense if you have to bring everyone in on the same flight otherwise it has to be a monster to confirm four different airports with four flights that also get into london at the exact same time yeah, this is like, it, it, not to mention it's extra flights that you're paying for. Like, if you think about it from a budget standpoint, they're really trying to slim down. Yeah, Maggie, what did you think about that? You know, I evoked the Big Brother comparison, right, with like, oh my god, I was just uh, picking up dog poop and I saw my key. Oh, I have 30 minutes to pack. Did you get that feeling when you were watching everyone get the message from Phil and say goodbye to their families? For sure. And also, I thought it was so um, sad because, like, it's so fun at the beginning of the season to watch Phil say, like, on your mark, get set, go, and everybody sprints, and then sometimes people fall, and then they can't get into their cars. Like, I, I was, like, really missing that part of it. I thought that, like, something was lost by doing it this way. 
especially because it was filmed pre-pandemic. Obviously, if it was the pandemic, you had to do what you got to do. But like it's filmed pre-pandemic. I can't believe that they got rid of the actual starting line. Do you think it's because Phil was busy <laughs> and like couldn't make it, you know, That's to the original game. starting line? It's a good question. I'm just I'm trying to think, like, where does this fall in the timeline of filming Tough as Nails? I'm pretty sure they had already filmed season two mm-hmm. by the time or no film season one. because I think they had been picked up for season two by the time this filmed. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, because I think another opportunity that they missed out on. We saw this in season 32, right? Where like Phil got to sort of have teams jazz each other up and talk a little bit about what they do. I remember this back in season 30 as well. And given, I think, the magnanimity of some of the people on this cast, it could have been an interesting opportunity to have them do this rather than sort of like what seems some pre-scripted, hey, other team, what did you do? Uh, what do you do mm-hmm. for a living? Or some sort of accomplishment medal award winning service that you did to bring you on the amazing race right now. Yeah, I, I definitely. That felt so stagey to me. I would rather know, I would rather hear what they're saying behind closed doors about each other. Yeah, so here's a question from Blair Sanders who noticed something interesting. Uh, Blair said that Carol had a confessional by herself when she was talking about Ray. Normally, confessionals are done by team. Should we raise our eyebrows or is this a normal thing to have a contestant have a confessional by themselves? Now we'll go to Jess for sort of like the is this normal question, but Maggie, what was your take on just all of a sudden cutting to Carol on a bench by herself. Uh, you know, Forrest Gump got on the bus and now she's left alone with this with this box of chocolate talking about Ray. So I remember when Brittany Haynes went on the show, I listened to an interview where she said that she was like, Janelle, if we do one thing, it's that we will never fight enough that they have us do confessionals separately. She's like, because you always know a team's in a bad place when they're doing separate confessionals. And I started to really look for that on my rewatch. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes just like something really iconic happens for one person on the race. Like when that girl got hit in the face with the watermelon, she did a ton of confessionals by herself. Um, But like, the, I think that that is very indicative maybe to the state of their relationship, to where they are relationally, that they wanted her to be able to speak freely about him without him breathing down her neck. Like, I do think that there is maybe something to that, perhaps. Yeah, I I would buy that. And I know they've also done the thing with the shady confessional where you see someone and you think they're talking by themselves and then the camera zooms out and their partner is sitting right there. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's another sub that's another subset of these that I enjoy. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I feel like it's very rare, especially in modern day Amazing Race, again, like we said, where it seems like the conflict does not reach that huge boiling point that it necessitates Carol being like, all right, I think I'm going to get a solo one here. So Ray, if you want to take a laugh, Uh, Let's talk for real about this clue thing. Yeah, it didn't feel to me like we'd reached that point yet. It was a little strange, but it's also I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. So I have ideas. I have thoughts about this, but I don't want to get into them because I'm about to fall over in my chair. Um, oh, listen, uh, there was, is, is it slippery out there like the sidewalks in uh, in London? Are you ready to fall like Penn unfortunately did? Yeah, I'm about to do that. No, this is just not my desk chair. So I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but so a couple of production things that I want to point out. This is from Martin in Ger- from Germany. So we spoke about like the cake decorating task as well of, okay, could 
was there another answer to this besides France and Germany? Or was that just like the easiest path to take? And according to Martin, there was only one answer or or two answers, maybe it seems to this. It was the so the flags, just to recap what we had. We had Colombia, Brazil, Germany, Thailand, Chile, Norway, South Africa, France, Jamaica, the UK, Sierra Leone, and Russia. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jess. It seems like it was France and Germany then the only correct answer, if that was the case? Yeah, seems like it. If that's the list, that's correct. Interesting. So, I mean, I guess in that case, this is sort of the obviously it was the more complicated detour option just because of the darts as well. But I find it interesting that this was one of those cases where you thought on paper, oh, there are so many answers, but there was really only one correct one. Uh, Maggie, how are you on flags? Were you uh, along with Raquel and Caleb, like, what's Brexit? Uh, or were you more so on the side of, ah, look at these dumb idiots trying to put the Union Jack on a cake when they're so out of their league? Well, I always, like, pick the wrong one. I feel like whenever I'm watching, I'm like, they give the two detour options, and I'm like, that's the one I would pick. And then that turns out to be, like, the horrible one. Like, both times, I was like, I would for sure do the art. And then I was like, I would for sure do the cake because I would I have horrible... Again, just my skill set, the exact opposite of what you need for the Amazing Race. Terrible hand-eye coordination. So I was like, darts, I could never get it. Like, I couldn't. And then I watched them, and I was like, actually, I probably could have gotten that. Um, but the the flag thing, no. I was like, yeah, the UK and France, that's great. Like, good for them. They got it right. And then when they said Brexit, I literally was sitting on my couch, and I was like, I forgot. Like, I would have completely got that wrong. Like, I am I stupid? Like, I forgot that that happened. But, yeah. I was also, like, the flight attendants, you know? Just I mean, listen, clueless. You're in good company. They're a strong team, at least. So, listen, maybe mm-hmm. maybe they won't win a geography B anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, to bring up a point of what you brought up during the, the recap in the Secret Seeds, I did find it interesting that Penn and Kim, who were, again, well-studied in flags, end up decorating the Jamaican flag, uh, not because they think somehow Jamaica just moved over to Europe, but because they didn't realize that it was supposed to be in the EU. So again, read your clue Mm -hmm. is a tantamount rule here in so many ways. So, Mike, I want to put on a tinfoil hat for a second. Oh, please. Yes. I want to. And this is just kind of like we're going to go into the sliding doors universe of what might have been had we not had the blip. Okay. These flags of these countries, do these flags of these countries include the intended route? Ooh, I think there's a couple of crossovers. So I know that when Bertram Van Munster had sort of said the, you know, shut it down of it all moment, he was in northern Sweden because I believe leg four, which was after Scotland, was supposed to go to the Arctic Circle. Mm. Uh, So I know he was there. I believe there were rumors about them going to northern Italy, which Obviously, given the situation was canned incredibly quickly, uh, Bertram had told me in my interview with him that they'd also had plans to go to Nepal and to Thailand. So Thailand oh. is on there, uh, but I don't see Sweden or Nepal or anything like that. Maybe they would have gone to Norway instead of Sweden. I love that theory, Jess, because that's mm-hmm. an interesting route. If we have, you know, Colombia, Brazil, Germany, Thailand, Chile, Norway, South Africa, France, like Sierra Leone, Russia. I feel like it's been a long time since we've been in Russia. That'd be a really fun route, you know, all things considered. 
Yeah, I mean, it's way more countries than you can fit into an amazing race, but I could definitely see them. These are these include a lot of countries that they go to a lot. So that would be really fun if you then at the end of the race, you had to you had to somehow do a task with those exact same flags. It would be a really interesting way to come full circle. Let me also ask about something that I noticed and was asked to me a couple times. Uh, the lower thirds. I know that these occasionally change. Did either of you notice the new lower thirds, like confessional Chiron style that we got for this season of the race? No, what, what are they? Yeah. So well, maybe we'll, we'll put a pin in this and address it in future Tar Pit podcasts. But I encourage people to look out for it. It's like a, now a, a black and yellow sort of style along the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do believe, actually, I think it was one of Dusty or Ryan did do a, a red and yellow, red and yellow. Yeah, I, I heard that. It was I'm awesome. very surprised no one's done that yet. Or if maybe they cut it for music rights purposes. Probably that. All right. Well, speaking of production stuff, actually, that segues perfectly into what I want to do next on this podcast, because, uh, look, I would call this the amazing race equivalent of the slop, which is uh, Rob Cesarino's sort of odds and ends part of Big Brother. A tradition he likes to take part in there is breaking down the opening credits of Big Brother, where people do ridiculous poses in front of CGI waves crashing around them, given what can only be described as ubiquitous direction as to what they're sort of supposed to be doing. It's almost equivalent to like the clothes they're supposed to wear of, okay, this is your type, so do the thing your type does. Uh, let's talk about the Amazing Race version. You know, let's tread into some to some untreaded waters and see exactly what we're getting here. So, what I have up, and for people who are watching the video version, you can see this as well, but if not, you can sort of like, we'll recap it as, as we're going along here, is the Amazing Race Season 33 official intro. Now, before even we get into this, I want to ask Maggie, because Maggie, you have been watching seasons from a different credit style of the uh -huh. Amazing Race, what old school fans refer to as like the ominous head turn era da, where... Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah and then... There's a what? lot of this that would go on. Yeah, so much exactly. Of yeah, and they would so go back to back, and mm -hmm. they time it so they're doing it at the same time, which is very disconcerting. Yeah. So yes. for those that haven't watched old Amazing Race scenes, it almost became memetic within the the Amazing Race fan community that every single credit sequence would be of a team doing some sort of like B roll activity, like playing soccer or shooting pool, and then it would cut to a static shot of the two of them standing. And to Maggie's point, maybe they're back to back, maybe they're in a pose but they always turn towards the camera. Uh, like, oh, you just happened to catch us candidly uh, embracing our relationship, whatever that may be. And that has been something that's been there from the very beginning until now they've just done these sort of like, hey, come to a soundstage and do it in front of a green screen things. Yeah, and they're always doing activities that they never would have done in real life. Like, I think that was the thing that I've heard a lot of past contestants say, like, I've never been roller skating in my entire life. And why did they make us roller skate? thing maggie if you if, again if we're in your worst case scenario and you're on the amazing race could you imagine what they'd make you and your partner do um well i don't this is the problem i don't even know who i would pick to be my partner like it would be a very difficult like i i don't know if i would want to burn bright and be like an iconic forever amazing race team that like you know, it, it's it's fireworks, but I'm gone immediately, you know, or if I would like to, like, actually try and, like, win, you know, it, it would be very, very difficult. I think, like, if I'm trying to, like, be iconic, 
I pick my mom and I think we like hug, you know, but if I'm, if I'm trying to imagine win, hugging and then turning your head, that has to be the most <laughs> awkward motion ever. If, if I pick like my older brother, I, I think we like pretend to like punch each other, you know, cause we're like siblings, like fighting, you know, but you know what I mean? Like how they're like, Oh, we're like siblings and we like, you know, fight like, <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, yeah. but I love you anyway. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. And, 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 then, and then you like you're like punching, and then you're like, yeah, back to back, folded arms. You know, it just <laughs> reminds me of like remember those static shots where they usually open old episodes of Family Feud, right? Where like yep. the the placard would come up, and they'd be like brothers would be arm wrestling and mom and dad would be like playing the piano or something <laughs> before they end up coming on down. Yeah, and grandma exactly. shaking her finger. Yeah, exactly. Like that that's the amazing race version. Or like those lower thirds that they used to use to promote other shows when you come back from commercial. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're like uh again, William Fitchner and the promoter would pop up at yeah, the bottom and be like, exactly. watch my show. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. I think we're gonna watch some of the, the shots from these teams and see does it work for them given what they know? You know, how do we write the sort of natural stances in front of the camera? So let's see. I've slowed this down to quarter speed. That we can really get a good look at things. Oh, so, thank you, Abraham Zapruder. Yeah, exactly. So we can really see what the magic bullet is coming in. Uh, though there are, there will be some projectiles as we're about to get into it. So here comes the Amazing Race logo, uh, as bright and beautiful as ever. And here we go. All right, so we're flashing. There's a plane. There's uh, London, which they London. actually did go to. A ship which they would probably not be on, uh, a street that they probably won't be going to. A dam uh, that they're not going to jump off of. All right, so okay. here's our first run. Yay! Arun and Natalia. Okay, so let's stop it right here. So Arun and Natalia, so it looked like what? They like fist bumped into a sort of handshake into him putting his arm around yep. her. Am I, am I typifying that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, looks right. I love them so much. They're my favorite team. I'm from Detroit. I'm from Metro Detroit. They're father-daughter. Love them. I'm rooting for them. Detroit versus everybody. I am a part of the Detroit and we're versus everybody. So I love them. I really, really hope they win. They're my, they're my winner pick team. There you go. First place in the intro and in Maggie's heart as well. Absolutely. Uh, Detroit. Jess, was this an, a good natural thing for Arun and Natalia? The weird little uh, hand signs they engage in before looking at the camera. It looked a bit like they weren't sure. Like it felt like he was mm. coming in for the handshake. She was coming in for the fist bump. It's a little bit like you know when you'd go in for the high five and you do a turkey instead. <laughs> yes, very, very much. So. And we'll talk later about maybe some of those awkward turkey or the awkward turtle moments uh, yep. that Arun and Natalia get involved in later. But look at look at how cute their ending little pose is with them smiling with their arms around each other. They look so happy and excited to be there. They look yeah. Great. They turned it. They turned it around. Like this. Yeah. This feels very natural. The first part did not, though. Sure. All right. Well, not how you start. It's how you finish. All right. Let's see what's coming next. Switzerland. Uh, driving on a street. Okay, here we go. Taylor and Isaiah. <laughs> All right. So, could you yeah. tell these guys are famous for a dancing video? They make weird finger gun, almost like you know what it reminds me. Of? It reminds me of Elaine dancing on Seinfeld. It reminds <laughs> me of the little kicks, Jess. That's that's harsh, man. Um, it looked to me like one of those uh, Canadian teen dramas. Like they, they look like they're in the opening credits to Degrassi. 
<laughs> Maggie, what are you making of this? Yeah, well, I think that the way that they have portrayed Taylor and Isaiah on the show up to this point is so weird. Like, they've never said that they were married until, like, an hour and 15 minutes into the show. Like, it, it's, like, so weird. Like, it, like you thought that they were, like, brothers or best friends or something. Like, it, it's so odd that they weren't, like, we are married and we got... Like that should have been their very first, you know, like thing. Like yeah. we got married. It, it, it and it's weird that their their Chiron is YouTube sensations and not married. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like or it could be married YouTube sensations. Like because the thing that they got famous well, for then was people something would misread at their and say like, oh wait, did they marry YouTube sensations? And this is like they left their YouTube sensations behind to go take care of the house. I mean, I I don't know, but like I just thought it was so odd the way that they represented them because I'm you know I'm sitting next to my roommate and my friends who are like gay men and I was like yeah they're married and they were like they are like well obviously we have to root for them but like I didn't I couldn't even tell that they were married because at the beginning it's it, they were just like hey like doing the uh, the way that they just yeah like they're doing weird finger guns and then they like are very like stale putting their arms around each other versus like you know in like a like a loving, like married way. And I don't think that it's Taylor and Isaiah's fault. I think it's just the way that the show has like oddly presented them. I don't know. Yeah. And we didn't see a lot of them in the first hour. I kept like forgetting no. that no. Like, that's the team where I was like, Oh, that's the team we haven't seen yet. So mm -hmm. I think maybe like what they did in the first hour seemed a little bit less consequential to the story they were trying to tell, but still like give them you know, throw them a bone. Like the first time you show them, at least like mention that's what their dynamic is. All right. Well, let's move on here from the finger guns. Uh, we have some little greenhouses. All right, Connie and Sam. So she is making oh. uh, what appears to be a oh. muscle, and he is pointing at like, check out the guns on my wife. But it looks like she's like doing a half thumbs up. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is she yeah. supposed to, this is bad to say. Is she supposed to be making a muscle? Because I don't see it. She's not really I flexing. Is, but yeah, it's like sort of like a a like it looks like she might be like you know uh, what is it hitchhiking a little. Yeah, Good. check out my wife's thumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and listen, all the all the power to people that are into that. But like at the same time, I don't know if Sam wants to. I don't know. Advertise his wife's only thumbs or anything like that. <laughs> hey. You know, you got to do what you got to do when you got your time on TV. Exactly. I just find it so odd that she's making a muscle. He's like, check it out, everybody. <laughs> Whatever. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's keep going here. 
Trafalgar Square. Oh. Random oh. person dressed like a Greek god. Wait, I want to go back and look at her. Who, who is this? Who is this? I mean, I, I believe this is like a woman is on the menu, but this is this looks this looks like a woman in a photo shoot during America's Next Top Model. Yeah, like it look it looks like uh, Mr. or Mr. J would be behind the camera, like eyes, eyes, give more eyes, give more angles, like and she's like in this makeup and sitting in a like a gold chair. Yeah, Julia, so, you try to be a goddess. But today, I'm an atheist. I'm sorry, you're not in the running to be America's Next Top Model. <laughs> I just, where did she come from? You know? Like, they could show the parts. Budget cuts. Yeah, like, budget yeah. cuts. I, this, this has to be more expensive than stock footage. I'm sorry. <laughs> this looks like an extra from Xanadu. I'm so confused by this. Like, look at the hair. <laughs> I wonder if she's like a part of the clue on one of the legs. Like you go to her to yeah. get the clue or something. One hundred percent. I think that's why she's here. But it's still a, it's a strange choice for the. Yeah, it's an credits. odd thing to to just include her. But I guess we'll see her later. All right, Anthony and Spencer. Uh, real <laughs> basic bitch pose from Anthony and Spencer here. Hands on hips. Very and arms folded. Very big brothery. Uh, mm-hmm. the classic arm fold, hand on hip. Very much, uh, that would be one or straight guy number one and straight guy number two on Big Brother. That's usually their poses that they're given. Uh, and I think that that's what we get from Anthony and Spencer here. <laughs> yep. Just any, any further comments about this? Yep. Boring team that wins all the legs energy. Yep, exactly. We should have seen it just through the intro. More interesting is the person who came before them. Uh, all right. Let's see who's coming up next. Okay. Raquel and Kayla. So it looks like they are fussing with their purple ascots which are not ascots but seemingly just bandanas tied around their necks and then they're doing the the mkna back-to-back thing uh maggie what are you thinking about this i mean it's like we are flight attendants we wear ascots you know um very classic very like i said back to back i knew my brand if i'm a in a girl girl team we are definitely going back to back smiling uh you know it's it's just the the way that uh they they always have these girls uh racing yeah just what do you, what do you think about this I mean, this is this is kind of a shout out to the old school Amazing Race poses, I think, like the back to back. We got a lot more of that in the early days. So I, I want to believe that this is a shout out to like the retro era. I just feel bad that they couldn't afford proper ascots again. Like, look at Kayla is just wearing a straight up bandana around her neck. But Mike, you're not packing an ascot for the Amazing Race, but you might pack a bandana. Is there not like a dress up box that they have on set that they could pull things out of? They are there. There is no tickle trunk for the Amazing Race, Mike. If oh, I could man. construct a Digi Bloom costume in five minutes, they could have gotten an ascot. That's all I'm saying, CBS. I I'm saying well, they're improvising based on the tickle trunk that they had. I would like them to follow in the footsteps of another iconic all female Amazing Race team who wore insane costumes during all the legs. You know, the team with the woman who got hit in the face with the watermelon. Claire, yeah. Like, yeah, Brooke and Claire, like they always had a feather in their hair or bobby socks or something. You know, they always had something going on that was like fun. Um, and I want Raquel and Kayla to follow in their iconic footsteps because they were awesome. Yeah, I wanted them to have a little bit of like the Pan Am style, like, uh, you know, a, a airline a flight attendant mm-hmm. hats, right? Even though they're never going to wear them on the race. 
Uh, or maybe mm-hmm. just put them on the Easter Island heads over here, just as like a nice effect. Sure. Or Mike, someday Google image search Braniff Airlines. We could go there if we're going to do flight attendant costumes. There we go. All right. So let's keep going. Helen Kayla back, pulling off old school poses. We've got a fountain. All right. Michael and Mo. What is going on here? Okay, so what's going what's going on here is that they're really playing up the fact that Mike is three feet taller than Mo, and he's holding him out as though he's a little brother with his arm, and Mo's trying to punch him like a cartoon character. That's the and thing. Is that they, this feels like the uh, the intros for like the Amazing Race nineteen thirty two, not the Amazing Race twenty twenty one. And then, so he's trying to punch him, trying to punch him, and then they're like, ah, we're just kidding. We're actually friends. We don't want to punch each other. And then they give the thumbs up and the arm around the shoulder. Yeah, Mo Mo in particular is doing, like, the Fonzie thumbs up, though, which is the thumbs up, but pointed outwards for whatever reason. Actually, Connie, I guess, gives a similar thumbs up if we're going by that logic. So he sort of is doing a, like, it's a living. I'm always going to get pushed down by this guy. It's like, he didn't actually hurt me. I'm all good. Don't worry. I'm safe. There's no brain damage here. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, oh, you're tall and you're short. Push against his head for, for half of your time <laughs> while doing an intro. For comedic effect. Yeah, it really. I mean, when, when Phil talked to me about them, he described them as like a Laurel and Hardy dynamic. I didn't get that from their time on the race necessarily. I guess I got it in this intro shot. That's the thing is this is probably their most outstanding moment besides their singing is poor Mo uh, being, being sort of pushed down and away from Michael by his ginormous arms and hands. All right, Did we ever learn how tall either one of these guys really is? Uh, so I know that Michael, I think, is at least six foot. Because uh, I think there was also something about him like playing basketball. He was like a uh, Winston from New Girl and Aris uh, Bushkowskis. He played basketball in one of those Eastern European countries, so he has to be fairly tall. Mo, I guess by eye by eyeballing, it has to be at least like five foot something, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what I would guess. I, it's too bad they're not sticking around because I'd love to call them Team Car Fifty Four. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Which nobody's gonna get because all those people that watch that show are dead. No, well, Phil's gonna tell everyone to kick some ass if you did get that reference. Okay, yeah, Lulu and Lala, we've got to talk Ooh. about this. I'm gonna replay this one more time. So I think it's a clone reveal. There's two. There's two oh. of them, and they look the same. Wow, wow. shades of Big Brother Five. Yeah, so uh, I mean, listen, uh, we have we had a twins a few seasons ago, but obviously Lulu and Lala, I think, safe to say, had more personality. We, we had than Eric twins and last season. We had twins last season. You said that the, the, those two blonde—they're not twins. Were terrible. They're, they're not twins. twins. What? They're not twins. Yeah, they're sisters. Oh my gosh! I they are identical. Two-year age, age difference, as I recall. Wow. Okay. I was like, when I was listening to the podcast from earlier in the week, I was like, Mike, you're wrong. Those girls who lost all the time were twins. But wow, I had no idea. Throwback. Sorry, guys. No. Well, here are the the, the twins proper, uh, though maybe from your logic, Haley and Kaylin could have done the exact same thing last last season. What do you think, Jess, about the, the twin twist reveal, as it were? I'm always here for a good twin twist reveal. 
Yeah, I'm surprised uh, Holly didn't step out from Big Brother 5 just to throw it back to other cowboys from reality TV. I, I'm sort of obsessed with this, Maggie, this idea of one of them standing. It's like, but wait, you thought I was just racing by myself? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. There's someone else. And she looks just like me. <laughs> Get ready. Double trouble. We are exactly the same except for a vowel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Change one vowel. Do a find and replace on U to A. You've got us both pegged. Uh, oh, my so, Lord. But we'll find out later that uh, maybe this actually is a bit sanctimonious or sacrilegious to who they are. All right. Mm-hmm. We've got a nice little Italian city. Okay, so Ryan and Dusty, it looks like we actually, I don't know, it seems to me like we picked up their pose in the middle of it. Like, it seemed like yeah, we, I, we were hugging in the middle when we start the thing off. No, Mike, they were not hugging, okay? They were uh, handshake into quick bump hug. They were not full hugging. These guys are, you know, they're they're macho guys. They would never hug for the intro. Like, I, I just think it's, like, so silly that, like, they're doing... They have like one arm in and they're like, you know, tapping each other on the back basically as they come out of it. Like, why not just have them actually hug? Like, give them the real hug. They love each other. They said it in their package. Let them hug. Yeah, just what did you think about this? About starting with the hug into the the arms folded pose? It, It seems to me like they had them hug and then in editing, the editors were like, no, this is like an entire fifth of a second longer than we need we need to cut that and show it like in medias res yeah we need one fifth of a second more of michael pushing against mo's head so sorry ryan and dusty you're getting the short end of the stick here (laughs) exactly this is an exact science all right so we get out of the hug we get uh some beautiful buildings and lots of fast people moving around okay caro and ray uh, so I think true to maybe what their airtime is, it's Caro front and center, mussing her hair. Ray is just gawking, and then he eventually steps in to put his arm behind her. Yeah, and his face on her hair. <gasps> yeah, exactly. Uh, Maggie, what what do you make of this? Is this much like you talked about uh, in firmly, you know, psychologically breaking down relationships? Is this a microcosm of Caro and Ray on the race as well? Well, I don't know. I like how, like, loving he's seeming, like, he's got his hand on her, like, lower waist, like, which shows that they are, like, clearly close enough to feel comfortable touching like that in, like, you know, this sort of capacity. But I mean, like, Caro is clearly, like, the one carrying the team here for, through these first two episodes. Like, it's Caro's team and Ray's just living in it, you know? <laughs> and just, this feels, though, stereotypical Amazing Race, right? We always always sort of have this team where it's one standout personality and their mm-hmm. friend who just happens to come along. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. That's kind of how most Amazing Race teams function. Like, I, you know, I like the senior prom portrait of it all, but what is Ray doing with his other arm? It feels uh, like he that's... doesn't know what to do with it. We need Bryce Isaiah to analyze the hand. Uh, I, I don't know. Do, do, his, do his Adidas shorts? Because I see the logo there. Do they have pockets? Could he not put his hand in his pocket? Could he not put his other arm? Like, go full senior prom. Mm. Yes. That's what he should have done, Jess. That's what I would have directed him to do. But, you know, nothing is more awkward. Like, I get really uncomfortable having to take photos like this or, like, do some... Like, if I had to do, like, a like a, a twirl for the camera or something, I would be so uncomfortable the whole time. So I completely get it. Like you got dead arm, but like, what can you do? You know, you're trying. All right. Well, let's move on from Ray's dead arm here. Uh, not dead in the game though. All right. So we have a, a busy crowded street, Akbar and Sherry and watch out. Here comes the apple. Uh, Akbar throwing just, it. 
He throws an apple at us. I don't know how to feel about this. I feel attacked. So they did have a prop box is what we're saying. I mean, unless Akbar has a loose apple he brings with him on all occasions, I'm assuming so. Uh, <sighs> like teachers, I don't. I guess because yeah. they're educators, you know. But weird. I mean, just I you have that... your child is in is in school. Is is are apples a thing of the past for teachers? Were they ever a thing to begin with? I mean, I think in like the 1950s, probably they were a thing. But yeah, right now, like you know, my child goes to a school where all of the lunches are provided. So it's like. If you want an apple, you just go to the cafeteria and you get one. It's not like oh, a so surprised. So it's not even like if you want to be a teacher's pet, you have to bring like actually something right. coveted rather than something they could easily get themselves. I, I think in the modern era, the teacher would prefer a Starbucks gift card. Hmm. Or an Apple product, perhaps. Oh, there you go. But if please do not throw an iPhone at the camera. I feel like that's <laughs> irresponsible. That'd be a mixed message if someone if Akbar hucked a phone at us, Maggie. Yeah, I think that maybe like this is, but like they could have just, you know, like stood outward and then like come together and giggled for the camera. Like they have such lovely smiles and like beautiful energy that like they didn't need to throw the apple. They could have just like moved in and smiled. I feel that would have sufficed. No. I mean, it's also listen. like um, his program is, you know, you can come to hang out at the school after hours. But I feel like the message is come just hang out at school after hours and I'll throw things at you. This seems like it's kind of diluting the message. Could Akbar be a Ron Clark type of like really engaging the students in different ways, right? Instead of standing on desk, he's throwing fruit at them. I assume that's what's going on here. He's definitely a Ron Clark type. And that brings it all the way back to to, to Brooke and Claire, right? Like she was the pioneer of the motion, getting hit in the face with with the... Someone needs to Photoshop Akbar tossing the apple and Claire getting hit in the face with the watermelon. Oh my God, please do it. Please, guys. I beg of you. I need it. Let's keep going here. We get a a nice waterfall into a canyon. Another roundabout. And I think this is our last one. Kim and Penn and final pose of a musical number is what I'm getting vibe. I'm getting vibes of like Oklahoma. Yow! That's sort of like Mm -hmm. punch at the end of a big 11 o'clock number. I mean, I knowing these two and like knowing their vibe on their YouTube videos, I feel like the next frame of this should have him dropping her. <laughs> Just like, oh boy, whoops, sorry. Oh, uh, Maggie, what what do you make of this? Uh, is it like typical Kim and Penn? I mean, it does scream scream quirky to me. Yeah, I think you know. I don't know how else to describe Kim and Penn other than like the BuzzFeed couple. Like, that's just, like, the way that I I view them. Like, they are just, like, BuzzFeed. Um, And I feel like this is very... Actually, I'm going to be honest. Um, Watching the secret scenes with them made me like them a lot more. Because I was like, oh, they are actually, like, real people. Like, and they aren't just, like, this, like, quirky bunch that you see on the screen, you know? Like, they, like, can actually, like, have a normal conversation with Phil and, like, you know, I, I'm i very interested in that. Um, As opposed to what this sort of evokes, I'm yes. assuming. Yeah, I'm, yes, you know, like, I mean, I think that it's perfect for The Amazing Race for television. Like, they know how to perform, clearly. But it just gives me, like, very, like, 2013 BuzzFeed. Like, they're coming in hot. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's just sort of, like, what we're going to see from them on the show, uh, which is really fun, you know? Um, I did those quizzes like everybody else. 
You know, you won't believe uh, the 10 different poses amazing race couples do. Number six (laughs) will blow your mind. (laughs) But for for real, doesn't that sound like a YouTube video that they would make? Like the 10 different types of amazing race poses. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that it's it's cute. It's cute. They um, very clearly are. Like they are the example that I was giving at the beginning of like a couple who very clearly really respects one another. And I think is going to see a lot of success in the race because of how well that they can communicate and respect one another in a way that you have to, if you work with your partner, you know, like Mm -hmm. they work together in like a very close capacity every single day to make these videos and to do their um, online work. So, yeah. I believe that is all she wrote. We are going out on a bang. Uh, so yeah, I do believe as we close in on Marina there and hope, I don't know if we ever see the Greek goddess again. Uh, that is the credit sequence for the amazing race. And maybe some more epiphanies will come about uh, once, you know, we, we get to see it again and again and again, assumingly every week. I can't remember actually, Jess, do we, is this like something they only play in the first episode? Do they usually cut it for time? I can't remember. I think they usually cut it for time, but we'll see. All right, well, let's get into uh, some other stuff coming out of The Amazing Race. Uh, I want to briefly touch on social media uh, because, you know, there was a fair amount of of chatter going on, obviously, with these people having claims to fame, uh, you know, that they would have the opportunity to sort of shine a spotlight on The Amazing Race. But I guess the thing I really want to shine a spotlight on this week is, as we mentioned before, Kim and Penn. So I believe they already have a podcast, right? Just they already had Mm -hmm. one leading into The Amazing Race like Gary and D'Angelo did. Yeah, kind of a general purpose, like it's kind of parenting focused, but yeah, it's kind of a general interest thing. Okay, so now they have sort of like oriented to be amazing race focused. And I'm very glad that teams do this, right? Like this happened, I believe uh, they did this with Becca and Floyd back in season 29. They were allowed to do it. Uh, I know that obviously D'Angelo and Gary like had so many teams on their podcast over the last season. So you can never tell when CBS sort of lets them off the leash or not, but Seems like so far so good. So Kim and Penn did uh, a conversation on their podcast about legs one and two. I'll read through some highlights. I encourage people to check it out. It's about an hour long, but I'll read some fun facts. Get both of your reactions to it. Uh, First, even though we did not get a formal starting line, I guess the starting line was going out of the airport in London, right? Heathrow Airport. Yeah. And it started with a bang as apparently, according to Kim and Penn, there was uh, a dip off the curb at the airport that, according to them, nearly everyone tripped and fell into immediately. Why didn't race. we see that? That's okay, but that's what I said. I love the starting race when they fall. It's like very exciting. It's how we, we should start the amazing race. Like, I love it because I would fall. So I, I, I can't believe we missed that. That's so disappointing. Yeah, Jess, would you want to start season 33 that way? Of course. Like people falling down, like there's entire media empires built on being entertained by people falling down. Yeah, where's Alonzo Ribeiro when you need it? Uh, I was about to say, I love me some Mm -hmm. Mm AFV. So when talking about preparation for the race, again, Kim and Penn, we should acknowledge, are super duper fans to the point where Kim apparently made a Google Doc going in of like why each team lost, like what they don't need to do. And that plan sort of went out the window as soon as they went into the race. So it also speaks to, again, preparation versus execution. Like, as an example, uh, they made it a rule to never take the detour option that was adjudicated. Uh, The one where, like, you do something and then a judge walks over and says, okay, you're good, because they don't want to put that power into other people's hands. 
cut to the first two legs, they did the exact opposite. Uh, yep. So it just really shows that as much as you can prepare when that adrenaline's flowing and you're go- you're going off how much exhaustion, like you might just make a choice and uh, going off of your gut. Yeah, it, it's true. I think, but I think planning, you know, the old adage about planning being, being very, uh, what is the exact quote, Mike? Plans and planning. Yes. Yeah, Eisenhower. Yeah, uh, it's like a it's a, it's a lot of p words if I remember. Like practical planning makes purposeful something or other. There's that one, and then there's plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. I think is the is the old adage. So let's talk to the detour for a second. So we had speculated as to like what was going on with the pieces of paper slash the social distancing. Apparently, at Artist End, there were only six stations, according to Kim and Penn. Uh, so that's interesting. That could have been a limited quantity detour if the vast majority of teams had taken artists in, but they shouldn't have because apparently Anthony and Spencer after the leg told Kim and Penn that the Digibend detour took them 10 minutes to do. Oh my god. That is, that is wild. Yeah. But they ran probably. They probably were able to like sprint the whole time, right? Well, they, they took taxis uh, and the taxi they said their taxi oh. rides were like two minutes apiece. Oh my oh god. My gosh. That's ridiculous. They should have had to do that on foot. Yeah. That should have been an on foot thing. Yeah, for sure. Because because that, yeah, you I, should, it should take ten minutes to complete a detour. I think we should. We should. That's a pretty much tapped about rule of production. I um, because you know, I'm like I always pick the wrong detour because I'm never going to pick the detour that's like very physical because I feel like I would just be terrible at all of the physical ones. Like this is also the thing. If I knew I was going on the amazing race, I would like for sure try to train as much as humanly possible beforehand. So I like felt like I could at least, you know, run three miles without passing out or like carry Mm -hmm. something heavy, you know, but like, I, I would have thought like as someone who is more artistic, like, you know, doing completing a puzzle and doing like an art project of gluing would have been an easier task than like running all around the city, but clearly not. And yeah, that's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous that they were able to do it in 10 minutes. Wow. So uh, another thing that also factored into like maybe this like sort of almost felt like a 24 hour leg because apparently this pit stop was only about five or six hours. Uh, as we know, leg one took place at night, leg two took place during the day. Kim and Penn said they got about like five to six hours of sleep. But yeah, we are a far call from, you know, what was it? The 12 to 24 hour pit stop that we used to see back in the early days of the race. Yeah, well, I think, as I recall, last season, there were a lot of legs where there just wasn't a pit stop, even well, if yeah. they didn't show it. They're just the like, first, remember the yeah. first leg last season was uh, they were in Trinidad and Tobago and they got to keep on racing. So, yeah, like, uh, they start off that, that right off. That the was so good. That's why. That was a good. Sorry, one. that leg was so good. That's what got me into the show. That music challenge was mm-hmm. so compelling because you have, you know, like the fact that you have one team member who like has to sit on the sidelines and they're like, I could do this in my sleep. And the other team member like straight up cannot do it. Like that is what I wanted to see on mm-hmm. like a task like that. That's like so, you know, just like random and very difficult and can like lead to high frustration. Like that's when you get the most exciting moments on the race, I feel. Yeah. But as I understand it, they were really trying to slim down as far as like production days. So last season, even when they didn't say it was a keep on racing leg, there were a lot of legs that were keep on racing legs. Yeah. Speaking of roadblocks, uh, no drums to be found, but plenty of struggles. So they break down, obviously the big to do as to like, 
Hence, snow meltdown on the mail rail. Uh, so apparently the plan was always to have Penn do the first roadblock just because Kim was like a super anxious individual and was like, I would have a meltdown uh, if I had to do the first roadblock because I don't want to let my team down. So Penn was going to do it no matter what. Apparently, according to them, and Penn doesn't give a lot of excuses as to like why he did what he did. He's like, I just overthought it. It was really stupid. It's a clue. A clue is a clue. Why would it not be a clue? But apparently in the roadblock clue, there was a name and a zip code just sort of like printed on it, which made him overthink that, okay, I'm clearly looking for an envelope. Maybe it's a matching zip code. Maybe it's I'm looking for that specific name. I'm not entirely sure. They also say that apparently Anthony walked, came back not only with an envelope, but also holding a package as well, maybe to sort of like, you know, hedge his bets in case it ended up not just being the envelope. And that confused him and Ray to the point that they thought, okay, I guess we need a box as well. So. Again, I, I don't think they would necessarily say it was an excuse for why they did what they did, but some interesting introspection as to maybe some of the confusing things that were thrown out that really sent them into a tailspin. Yeah, well, you know, that, think, that's always tricky. They're always trying to trick you like that. I think it's um, always like the thing about the Amazing Race that I like really love is that I would walk up. I know that I personally would walk up to most detours, especially when it's like you have to find something or you have to do, you know what I mean? Like I would walk up and get incredibly overwhelmed with Mm -hmm. the enormity of the task and start to like completely freak out. But because um, it's, you know, so small, I I would assume that he was probably like, this is going to be a completely enormous task. It's the first detour. It's going to be a a gigantic, enormous task. And the fact that it wasn't probably is what threw them off. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kim in the video just said that this might be one of the easiest roadblocks ever, Uh, which I, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's uh, no, uh, you know, speed bump eating ice cream. But I, uh, considering where that envelope was placed, I can't think of many other, especially opening roadblocks that were so straightforward. Yeah, it's it's true. But I think sometimes they design a task that's more about showing you an interesting thing than it is about performing anything with any kind of skill. And I think this was like, this is a cool thing we can do on the race. And it doesn't really matter what the task is ultimately because we just want people to ride in those cool little trains. Mm-hmm. So one other thing that they brought up is a task was actually cut from the edit that they did. Uh, supposedly, the original idea was there's this thing called the Orbit Tower, which I guess is like one of the biggest metal slides in uh, Europe. I think it's one of those like slides you go on at the carnival, right? Like those metal slides where you sit mm. in a potato sack and you go down it. Apparently, one of their tasks was that they were supposed to climb all the way up and slide down it. Uh, Evidently, because of the weather, because of the rain and the fog, all they had to do was just go up and then just go back down the stairs. Uh, So I think for many reasons, it's understandable (laughs) why it got cut. Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't need to see that. No, that would have been really lame. There's only so much again, like uh, the the tasks were subpar, but at least we did not get shown a task where they literally walked upstairs and then walked back downstairs again. I did watch that season of The Amazing Race, though, where the girl lost because she wouldn't go down the water slide. It's a good point. So I understand the slide task. I do think that there is some Amazing Race iconic moments that have come from it. But that's things they couldn't go down it because of the weather. 
All right. So uh, as we move on from the Holderness stuff, Jess, was there any other secret scenes? I'm sorry, uh, some some before we get to secret scenes, some social media things that you wanted to highlight from the stuff that poured in like envelopes uh, from the Amazing Racers this past week? I mean, I wanted to highlight there was a very funny tweet from our very own Jessica Frey, who said um, we didn't need this to be a, we didn't think this needed to be a rule, but it's a new era. And she has the galaxy brain meme. And we have the first frame, the first frame with the little tiny brain says we're on the amazing race and brain with like a little bit glowing says, read the clue, the brain that's glowing a lot. Is this too easy for the amazing race? And then the final galaxy brain frame says, if it says amazing race, it's a clue. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so I to give her a such, shout out. Such a great line from Caro. Really, I, I the more I think about, it, the more I love it. Just for future reference, if it says "Amazing Race," it's a clue. Yeah, that was the best. Um, I think that goes right in the jail rules. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into some secret scenes. So we have some audio from some, but before I, I want to, you know, just talk about some. Uh, Maggie, you made mention before of Arun trying to go to the bathroom after yeah. they left the cards. Can you, can you talk this through again and give your reactions to your favorite team of these first couple legs? I love them. And so they finished their dart task. And I think it just like goes to show like Arun and Natalia are gigantic fans. Arun is so excited to be there. He's like, you don't want to take another sip of your beer? Like, come on, take another sip. And she's like, no, we have to go. And he's like, okay, well, I have to go to the bathroom. And she was like, dad, we're going to lose the race because you went to the bathroom. And he's like, oh, pshaw, if that's why we lose the race, come on. So he goes to the bathroom. She's waiting in the car and she's like totally freaking out. He gets in and he's like, oh, I forgot the, I forgot the uh, fanny pack. And she was like, dad, it's so important. The fanny pack, I'm going to have to hold it the rest of the time. And he's like, oh, Natalia, come on, come on. Why are you getting on my case? And it's just, it's really cute. I thought the whole thing was super um, cute and very fun. And um, then we, it, it also goes into, you know, the other secret scene, which I don't know if you want to talk about it yet, Mike, but the other secret scene with them where they're at the airport and somebody thinks that they're married, and not yes. father daughter. And they uh. were both like, no, like hard. No, which honestly, it's ridiculous. They have the exact same face. Like, why would you think that they're married? They look identical. And as a daughter who looks just like her father, identical to her father, like I thought it was just like odd that people thought that they were married because they very clearly to me are father-daughter. Yeah, just what did you make of Arun and Natalia being identified as a couple? Should we be looking at Arun's skincare routine and trying to mimic it for his seeming agelessness? I mean, he does look young for his age. I'm not sure I would I'm not sure I would peg him immediately as being her father I might have thought they were siblings but yeah that was I, I would never have gone to the well of married couple I wait for I would always wait for people if I'm talking to a team I would always wait for them to tell me what the connection is yeah and maybe I don't know maybe his skin is so good because he just takes it carefree right like it might be in a race but let's go to the bathroom let's mm-hmm. drink some beer Ironically enough that Arun couldn't hold it and he ends up not holding on to the fanny pack as a result. Yeah, this was a rough first leg for Arun. <laughs> uh, we should also mention here uh, a couple things from the Holderness family. Uh, so there's some stuff like uh, Penn has, tells Phil he always wanted to scream in a museum. Is that on anyone's bucket list to scream in a museum? It is now. 
I suppose so. I don't know if I want to like scream, scream. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like a John Mayer bucket list, right? On the realm of I want to run through the halls of my high school. I want to scream in a museum. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not entire. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. But actually, you know what? That segues perfectly into some of our audio uh, because here is some Kim and Penn stuff that I would like to play. As we talked about, Kim and Penn, I don't know if you heard Maggie, they met the Queen and Boris Johnson, who were having mm-hmm. a nosh. Uh, what did you make of that? Look, you're an actress. Uh, I'm certainly, you know, you could, you could sort of look behind the lens of some of these people that are hired to be sort of these extras or task giver judges on The Amazing Race. What did you make of the whole meet with the Queen and Boris Johnson of it all? I thought it was so cute. I actually really love how they get you know, people from the countries to give the clues. Like last season, my roommate and I always joke around because last season uh, when they were in Cambodia, they had to get a clue from like a Cambodian monk. And he went to give the clue to the person and like stared at the camera the whole time, like low-key giggling to himself. Like he was like so like excited that he was on camera. And we thought it was so funny that now we like will reference it all the time. And I love that they get you know, people from really the culture to do it. So I thought it was super fun that they had these, um, you know, impersonators sitting together having a nosh. And um, I I just, I I love when they do stuff like that. I think that that's like what makes the Amazing Race so awesome. All right. Well, let's hear from Kim and Penn as they talk about me and the Queen. And Penn reveals uh, maybe some deeply held secrets about a possible Hall pass from across the pond. I got a little sugar from the Queen. She's the second hottest woman in London. Who's the first one? Helen Mirren. Oh, I got a thing for old people. <laughs> that's why he's with me. That's right. <laughs> I do have a thing for Helen Mirren. Oh, he, that's on his list. All right, so look out, Helen Mirren. Uh, good thing she wasn't in town, I assume, because Penn is coming for you. Penn's going to write a BuzzFeed article that says the five hottest old ladies on my hall pass list. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I I got nothing, guys. That's yeah. I mean, I I guess I don't know. I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but like, let me pose the question here. Is she is she up there? She's a beautiful woman. She's beautiful. She's beautiful, Mike. She is. I suppose so. But I don't know. I'm trying to think about like other British women. I don't know. I might do Judy Dench over Helen Mirren personally. Really? I would do Maggie Smith above Helen Mirren. See, as somebody who like was introduced to Maggie Smith as Professor McGonagall, like I just always will view her as as that versus mm-hmm. you know any other one of her roles or from her earlier years. But Helen Mirren is like has the gorgeous gray bob and she mm-hmm. always looks amazing on the red carpets i understand helen mirren i do it was when he said he had a thing for old people that i was a bit like huh what an interesting statement then i feel like helen mirren is kind of timeless i'm not sure i would mm-hmm. go immediately to the well of old people yes that's what i'm saying that's why i was like yeah. i understand him thinking helen mirren is beautiful it was that statement afterwards that i was like hmm, maybe we will get a buzzfeed article out of this Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Or it might be instead of like a kiss count, maybe Penn will find some sort of other, you know, older woman in every country that he visits that he becomes enamored with and sort of builds his own uh, gallery scrapbook of memories with regards to who that eventual hall pass will be given out to. 
I really feel uncomfortable with the amount of objectification that that would entail. Yeah, I don't know if Ken would be the one to do it either. He typically he'd overthink it, right? Oh man! Yeah. All right, it's, I, I'm not getting the signs here. I don't know exactly who it. I don't know if this is really for me or if this is doing it for the cameras. Uh, and he just sent himself into a spiral in that regard. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to Lulu and Lala. Talk about spiraling. Uh, Lulu and Lala. They may not be clones. They definitely are not clones. Obviously, they have some differences here. We heard obviously about uh. Lulu's uh, romantic, you know, situations are obviously different than Lala, but they have a fair number of differences, according to them. This is Lulu and Lala speaking about ways that we could tell them apart. And sometimes we annoy each other. Yes. Oh, God, yes. She takes an hour to brush her teeth. It gets under my skin so much. It's like, come That's on. not true. I like to have my teeth clean. And you make a mess when you brush your teeth. Water or toothpaste <laughs> all over the place. It's because you're what, what? You're rushing. If you were to take your time. It's just little things like that that get under her skin. Certain things, the way she folds her clothes. I hate how she ties her shoe. Like, I feel like she's troubling herself the way that she does. It just. What do you do? The bunny ears? No, what am I? Three years old? No, but you, like, you, you do one ear and then flip the other. You you take the shoe, the shoelace, and then you, like, flip it. What, like, you just take forever doing it. Tie the damn shoe and keep it going. I enjoy. This is my um, guilty pleasure, which most people will find disgusting. Ugh. I love watching uh, Pimple Popper on IG or on YouTube. I find it fascinating. I know it's the she nastiest. She hours ever. watching people <laughs> pop. That's just... Bleh. It's nasty. I recognize it, but I don't know. It's just... It's entertaining on me. Yeah. Okay. So we found out a lot about these twins, actually, mm-hmm. more so than maybe more so than I wanted to know, uh, particularly about their internet browsing history. Um, I have a question for both of you. Like, you know how like sometimes twins, like not all twins. I don't want to make a sweeping statement, but like, you know, how sometimes they can be like a little weird, like a little like a little like too close, you know. No, maybe that's just an I mean, experience I, I had I, with adult I'll twins. I'll be candid. I don't know many adult twins. So, yeah, I, I had an experience once with adult twins who are like very, very close, lived together, like shared every type of clothing that they had in a way that I was like, maybe some clothes you keep separate. You know, I don't know. But like, I wonder if like they, they are like um, very clearly the type of twins, though, who just know each other so like they very clearly like think the same the fact that they're like talking about um like uh tying their shoes that they know how the other person ties their shoe and it annoys them that is someone who has been together for almost like 30 years of their life for so many moments that like that is the little thing that drives them crazy i think Mm -hmm. that that's like very fun and speaks to like how close their bond is. But I also think that that like shows, you know, the thing that I was talking about at the beginning, like respect level out of teammates. Like, I'm not sure how, like if they're getting mad at each other for the way that they brush their teeth. And like, that's one of their like main issues with each other. Like every little thing they do on the race, I'm sure that they're going to be like, Nope, over it, you know? <laughs> now, Jess, we found a way to tell them apart, right? One of them loves pimple popper videos and one brushes their teeth too slowly. Wow, they're they look alike, but they're they're so different. 
in so many ways. I think we need to watch how they tie their shoes, and that's how we'll know. Uh, if one of them does the the wrap around, then we'll know. Okay, that's Lala, and then the other one must be Lulu because we'll see. I think we'll make it a challenge to identify which twin is which by the end. I just feel really bad because when I started podcasting about the Amazing Race for Rob, I used to make a point of trying to figure out how to tell the identical twin teams apart, and mm. I. I let it happen organically now. I don't go into the I don't go into the season anymore with like a list of things that I've observed from studying them closely. All right. I feel they look so similar that it's the type of thing where like if you saw them together and you like then you could discern them apart. But if I just saw one of them, I would have no idea which one it was. You know, like I would be like I'm because I don't have the, the reference of like the longer face compared to her sister, you know. You would have been hoodwinked by those opening credits, then, right? You saw one, and you're like, "Oh my god!" I would have. That's I why I was like, "A clone, a clone." Right. Here's your toothbrush. Let's see who gets sloppy and who doesn't. That's how the only <laughs> way we can tell you apart. <laughs> exactly. All right, one last clip here, and this is actually going to segue into our game for this week. So, Michael and Mo. Uh, you know, may they rest in peace on the race. Uh, this is one of the rare moments they had in London. Uh, they're going to talk to their cabbie. And look, many people had assumptions about British culture over the course and history over the course of this episode. Uh, Mo has his own supposition about a piece of British slang, and he is going to get very much corrected by their cabbie. Yeah. Hopefully, man, we pull up right to the red box. That'll be lovely. Right. That'll be lovely. Lovely, mate. Lovely, bloke. No, mate, is not. Bloke. Bloke. Yeah, bloke. Bloke? Bloke. Hmm. Chris, tell him what bloke means. Bloke? Bloke. Bloke. I was going to say, mate, that's universal. Mate. Bloke. 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 Like, hey, bloke. Oh, you bloke. Yeah. No? Mm-hmm. You don't call like men bloke? Blokes. Blokes. Oh. Blokes. Blokes. Okay. Yeah, but we don't say that. You know, when... You don't say that? Oh, no, but I know. Someone does say, yeah, he's a bloke. Yeah. How do you, how do you say bro? Bro. Just bro? Bro saying, Okay. <laughs> All right. So at least Michael and Mo didn't learn to have a lot of time on The Amazing Race, but at least they learned that it is indeed bloke and not bloat. <laughs> That's cute. I thought that this whole conversation was cute. I thought the cab driver was really funny when he thought he was saying blow and he was like, well, I think that's universal. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Imagine these two men in a camera crew that are from America getting in your car and being like, let me ask you about blow. Like, how do you respond to that? You know, like, okay, is this uh, a trapping situation? Like, am I being conned into something? I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I Listen, I do not mean to impugn any of these teams whatsoever. I feel like some common sense has to be applied. There, you can't call someone bloat. That makes no sense. Why would you call a person bloat? I think that that's just, you know, they've never, like, take it. They've clearly never, like, really taken the time to watch British television or anything like that. So when you just hear them saying bloke, you're just going to be like, oh, bloke. You know, it's like the K is so far back in your throat that they're like, oh, I guess it's bloke. Is it throat or is it throat? I don't know. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's all similar <laughs> sounds. Well, so speaking of British jargon, I want to finish off our tar pits here with a game that has been drummed up by the great Sarah Carradine, who had produced many games over the course of the tar pit season 32. And this is around British slang. Uh, so, for example, when it comes to Bobby's, some people thought it was just a man named Bobby. Uh, Sarah does point out that people are police officers are called Bobby's after Sir Robert Peel, uh, the man who established the London Metropolitan Police Force in 1829. So Bobby does indeed refer to a person, even though he is very much, you know, long gone by now. But what about some other words and phrases? So this is going to be super simple. Uh, we'll go back and forth here. I'm going to give you a term from British slang. You tell me what you think it means. And maybe you'll be right, maybe you'll be wrong, but I think we'll all be educated at the end of the day. And maybe this means we can go into London when things open up a bit more knowledgeable than perhaps some of our beleaguered amazing race teams. Jess, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What are jakes? Jakes. Do they have anything to do with sheeps and poop? Uh, no, they do not. Okay, jakes. I'm not sure I actually know this one, Mike. Um, but I'm just going to guess sheep and poop for every single one of these in a tribute to Phil Kogan. Exactly. Unfortunately, it's not New Zealand slang. It'd be much more scatological from that perspective. But no, Jake's are actually uh, a bit one and the same with Bobby's. Jake's are a term for the police. All right. Okay. So if they were asked to look for a Jake, it would actually be a very similar confusion with a lot of these teams. Uh, yeah. On the other. Uh, go ahead, Jess. It's like, you know, here in the States, we would call them the fuzz or. Mm hmm. Or the bulls or the, the pigs, uh, if we're feeling political. Now, Maggie, we talked about the Jakes. What are the Jacks? The beanstalk variety? <laughs> the beanstalk variety. Like a Jack of the beanstalk variety? I feel like a Jack is a farmer. Okay, that makes sense if you're talking yeah. about like growing beans. Uh, no, the Jacks is the toilet. Oh, okay. As in, where's the jacks? I'm busting. Uh, got it. I mean, as in, Arun had to use the jacks after leaving the dirt place. Maybe you can put a beanstalk in, in a jack. You know, I don't know. Sorry. I mean, hopefully not. Sorry. Uh, I don't know what you, hopefully, you didn't swallow any beans that did that. Uh, <laughs> Jess, what is the knowledge? The knowledge. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is that sounds like of... another CBS primetime show after the promoter. Good Lord. Yeah. Stay tuned for the knowledge. This this feels like sort of vaguely um, Masonic. I don't know. Is... <laughs> so um, the, no the, yeah. knowledge the knowledge. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You know this one, Mike. Oh, good, a, good. There was an amazing race challenge about this. The knowledge is what London yes. taxi cab drivers have to learn before they can become London taxi drivers. As famously uh, depicted in the challenge at the end of the re the um, reality TV star season of The Amazing Race and also as portrayed in the Up documentary series. You are 100% correct. Yes, that is the knowledge. Uh, taxi cab drivers have to take that very rigorous memorization test to be able to become a taxi driver. Uh, Sarah also writes that apparently it is illegal to yell taxi in London. So maybe that's why Anthony and Spencer had such a tough time getting a cab. Wow, why? Why is it illegal? Do we know? I don't know. Is it not proper enough? Does it not fall under good etiquette rules to shout? Yeah, is it just annoying? I mean, they can't hear you anyway. 
it's it's kind of a futile gesture to yell taxi in the first place. If there's something that's futile, it is England. Uh, so I guess I guess that does make sense. All right, Maggie, what is copping off? We did talk about cops, but what does copping off mean? Well, I know what copping a feel means. Oh, um, boy. Yikes. Pretty universal, much like blow. Yeah. Um, okay. Copping off. Uh, tattling? Like telling Cop- on someone? Cop- Copping off means making out with, as in Penn oh. would like to be copping off with Helen Mirren. Like snogging. Yeah, exactly. It's another it's like version snogging, of snogging. Yeah. Got it. Jess, what does to crease mean? As in I was crease. creasing. I was creasing. Wow. That's a that's another new one on me. I have not heard creasing before. Um does this have Anything to do with like dressing nicely, like your pants are creased. Mm, that's good context clues, but no. Uh, crease means to laugh hysterically. Ah, okay. Like you're like crease your face. Oh, yeah. You're like making wrinkles on your okay. face because you're laughing yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Like laugh lines. Yeah, exactly. Maggie, what does to touch yard mean? Hmm. To touch yard, um, to go play in your backyard. I don't know. <laughs> Very simplistic explanation. I mean, you're not too far. Uh, actually, to touch yard means to reach home. So if it's like, oh, oh I had okay. a hard day at work, I'm ready to touch yard just means to go home. That makes perfect sense to me, actually. Only a couple more left here. Jess, what does beast mean in British slang? Beast is not. Well, I know what it would mean here in the States. Like, it would mean to be really great at something. Um, like, if is beast a noun or a verb in this context? Adjective. Adjective. So, you are the, you're the beast something. Yeah, it so, like, Jess Lee's is so beast. If we're coming oh, up so with a, a rhyming device. So, it'd be like being really, really great at something. Which would yep. make sense because the... You know, like the guy on the UK version of the chase who's like a million feet tall, they call him the beast, so he's super great at trivia. Okay, yeah, so being beast apparently is very cool. So yeah, evidently he's also some suave as well. Okay. Well. Maggie, what does big yourself up mean? For example, Rob <laughs> Cicernino has never one to big himself up. Oh, um, like talk yourself up. Like yes, be, to, to, uh, yeah, to be both, to be both like, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So never one to big yourself up, uh, and as opposed to Peloton, which certainly bigged itself up in many ways a couple of months ago. Uh, finally, Jess, what does mashed mean? Mashed. Yeah. Like, as in a past tense verb or as an adjective? Uh, ad- another adjective. Okay, can you use it in a sentence? Uh, I was too mashed to touch yard. So that would be wasted, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, drunk or high. So maybe if you think that bloke means bloat, you might be mashed on blow, as an example. All right, then. Yeah, Love so it. hopefully, hopefully, I know that we are, we're not leaving the UK, so maybe some of these will apply next week. But if we want to open our minds up even more to UK slang, thank you to Sarah Carradine, as always, and looking forward to hopefully many more games over the course of the Tar Pit. Maggie, 
Any other things you want to say about the Amazing Race now that we've opened the floodgates and allowed you to talk on a public platform about? Oh my show? gosh! I well, I just like thank you for letting me talk at you for the first twenty minutes of this podcast. Um, I did have like something that I wanted to bring up, but now okay. I can't really remember what it was. Um, I think maybe it, it had to do with the. Um, nope, it's gone. Um, but if I think of anything else. I'll post about it online or if you'll have me back later in the season, I would love to come back and talk more. Um, I think it's just so the amazing race. Oh, Oh, okay. Editing. I did want to talk about this. Okay. Amazing race. When you binge it, they edit it all exactly the same. And I now like, if you want to, I don't really follow edgic on survivor, but I can mm-hmm. tell you the edgic for the amazing race. Like I know exactly. I, I can't really tell you. I can tell you by probably episode three, who's going to win. Okay. And I can always tell you when it's a race to the mat, who is going to win the race to the mat. Like it's very, very clear how they edit it. And even I, cause I, you know, I've been watching earlier seasons. So last this week when I was watching, I was like, I'm going to try my theory. And I was right with like the race to the mat. So I'm interested to see if after a couple episodes in my prediction about who's going to win will come true. So I'm intrigued. What is the hack to the mat race? Um, whoever is leading when they start to make it seem like they're close is who's leading and who's going to make it to the mat first. There is never like a subversive, we're racing, we're racing. Like they'll show you if the person overtakes them because it's very exciting. Like they're not like if somebody leaves the pit stop first and is racing and then the other person calls a cab and is like racing unless we see the person in the first car start to get hopelessly lost they're going to beat them Mm -hmm. just facts confirmed thumbs up that seems that all seems logical to me now i'm going to be watching for it though this is not something i've really thought about oh i'm sorry if i've spoiled it for people that's no, it's fine. La- I mean, last season, Je- Jess and I kind of broke Rob Rob's brain when we talked about the uh, the intercommercial break freeze versus the in the middle of the uh, of the segment yep. freeze. So we're just continuing mm-hmm. to bust open the editing style. So maybe we'll change it up for future yeah. seasons. What's to say? We've also got the personal story bump. That's a that's mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah, of course, that didn't exist for this opening episode because it was literally everyone's personal story bump. But we'll definitely track that moving forward. Oh, and I did have one more thing to say. Now, now I can remember what I was going to say. Um, so I watching this season, uh, with the, um, Miss America or the, mm-hmm. the one who had the viral video of Miss America. And I kept referring to them, the lesbian team on that season. Um, I kept referring to them as the evil lesbians because that's how they were edited the whole mm-hmm. seasons to be villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that they were so fun on the show. Like I thought they were such fun characters and they had a quote that was really, really interesting to me that I, really stuck with me through the rest of my amazing race watching, which is like, they were really fighting on one leg. And then at the start of the day of the next leg, they were like, we are, here understanding that we are not battling each other we're battling the other teams like we're a united front battling the other teams and those are the teams that always succeed are the ones who recognize that like they're my partner in crime versus like they're my obstacle to winning and I think that that's just like a very interesting like psyche thing to look at versus how like for how the teams are looking at themselves versus each other do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Maggie, you have brought so much psychoanalysis 
<laughs> really? And I absolutely love it. Because again, like Jess talked about in the beginning, like these are not necessarily conversations that, that we have about those dynamics. Really? So. I think yeah, this I mean, is all yeah. I talk about. Like this is the reason that I like it. Like we're I'm just watching someone race. Like that's not what's exciting to me about watching it. Because I like I said, I can understand the editing hack. So I'm like, okay, I can basically from the beginning of the episode tell you who's gonna get eliminated. But what's so interesting to me is watching the way that the teams interact with each other and the teams at large. And even like when they talk to Phil on the mat, like there's so much to be said about a team member who sprints ahead of their partner and is like, come on to them on the mat versus a team member who holds their partner's hand while they get onto the mat or a team member who like will race ahead and be like, come on, come on, come on, like cheering them on versus like, come on, like, come on, you, like, let's get here. Um, I think that there's so much to be said about even that. Like, I can, that tells me so much about how, a team and, like, how they're going to do. All right. So we're about to touch yard here and reach the end of this podcast. Uh, Maggie, you talked about, you know, posting online. Uh, for people who might not know what you do out on the podcast sphere, what do you have going on? And how can people, if they, if they want to see what, it, what you're up to on social media, reach out to you? Yeah. So um, if you are interested, I do the podcast, um, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City wrap up with the amazing Jacob Jones. Um, We have a ton of fun over there. So even if you don't watch the show, like you can come and hang out with us. We we talk a lot like we it's all jokes. It's fun. Like you can pretty much pick up on what's going on. It's not really rocket science on that show. Um, So, yeah, if you listen to that, that comes out every Monday. Um, or we record Monday night, so it comes out Monday nights or Tuesday morning. Um, Celebrity Big Brother is coming up, so I'm going to be covering that. Um, yeah, and I'm not on Twitter right now, um, but you can find me on Instagram at MLMorgan underscore, and you can find me on TikTok at MLMorgan underscore. Is there a pair from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City that you think would make a fun, amazing race team? Uh, like literally, uh, all of them, like for so many different reasons, I would love to see Heather and Whitney. So Heather and Whitney, if you don't watch, they basically are, they're cousins technically. Um, mm-hmm. and through like, you know, they're like 17th cousins once removed or something. Cause they're both Mormons. So basically all Mormons who live in Utah are related somehow. And, um, so they're cousins and they have a huge conflict with my favorite housewife on the show, Lisa Barlow. And at the first reunion, Lisa Barlow says, Whitney Heather, bad weather, spin the truth, tornado. So the bad weather team of Whitney and Heather, I think, would be iconic on the amazing Ooh, race. I would love to see it. Storms mm-hmm. are coming. Uh, here mm-hmm. come your weather girls. I love that. All right, Jess, I know you talked about it a bit at the end of our podcast with Rob, but if you want to talk about your appearance on Extra Hot Great again, since I believe it actually has now come out since we recorded that. No, it hasn't come out yet. I'm recording oh, on Monday. Okay. Yeah, so it'll come oh, out nice. in the middle of next week. And very excited to break down Amazing Race with um, three people that are, I forced them to come back to it after many years of not watching it. But these are the people that basically invented the concept of recapping a television show. So I'm going to be very interested to speak to them about uh, a, about a show that they were there for the birth of it. And now bringing them back in to talk about it again will be really fun. They're going to miss the head turns. I can tell you that they're really going to oh, miss that sure. credit sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear all of the things that they're going to be like, well, why isn't this here anymore? Why is this different now? So 
yeah looking forward to it and i talked about all my stuff over on uh the other podcast that we did uh which if you haven't checked it out at this point thank you for devoting two hours to this but go back and watch that that was a very fun recap that we had with rob talking through everything and of course we'll be back next week covering week two episode three or leg three as uh things take a dramatic turn the last leg of the amazing race pre-pandemic it is sure to be really interesting seems like we're getting an elimination as well as a production shutdown i'm very intrigued to see what happens thank you all so much for listening it was really a fun idea to bring back the tar pit to just bring in all these odds and ends of a big show like the amazing race hopefully i think we could do a lot of these throughout the season there are certainly guests that we have in mind to bring on if you have any suggested guests feel free to reach out to us as well you can always email us amazing race at rob has a website.com if you go to robhasawebsite.com slash T-A-R questions, uh, you can also submit questions there for us to answer on this podcast. And also tweet at us at Rob Cicerino, at a Mike Bloom type, at Haymaker Hattie for Jess, and of course at Rob has a podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next Thursday covering episode three or leg three of The Amazing Race 33. Till then, take care. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.